Welcome, I'm Max Horowitz, producer and host of Penderecki in Memoriam podcast. This podcast is created by Anna Pezhanowska and presented by Polish Cultural Institute, New York. Penderecki in Memoriam podcast unveils a multifaceted portrait of Krzysztof Penderecki with commentary from musicians, colleagues, radio programmers, and writers who lend insight and memories of Poland's greatest modern composer. This podcast is part of Penderecki in Memoriam Worldwide Project, honoring the life and legacy of the great composer. Thank you to project partners Dukes, Naxos, Ludwig von Beethoven Association, and Schott EAM for sharing Christoph Penderecki's music with the world. We appreciate you joining us in celebrating Penderecki's life and legacy. Director and conductor for the Orchestra of the Royal Capital City of Krakow, the Symfonietta Krakowia, Jurek Ditbal is also an acclaimed conductor and musician with the world-famous Vienna Philharmonic. Maestro Ditbal has also made appearances with the Polish National Radio Symphony, Polish Radio Orchestra, Beethoven Orchestra Bonn, the Czech National Symphony, and Symphonia Varsovia, to name only a few of the great orchestras he has worked with. As a conductor, he's collaborated with Gidon Kramer, Katia and Maria Lebeck, Cameron Carpenter, Erwin Schrott, singers of the Vienna State Opera, among many others, and his recordings can be found on labels such as Sony Classical and Warner Classics. An award-winning musician, Maestro Ditbal is also founder and director of the Christoph Penderecki International Music Festival and has premiered a number of the great composer's works. Jurek Ditbal is here with us to discuss Christoph Penderecki. Hi Jurek, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Hello, I'm really happy to hear you there. Jurek, when and how did you come to first meet Penderecki? My first encounter with Master Penderecki was actually as an orchestra musician with Symphonia Varsovia in Poland. During my study, I was playing double bass in the orchestra as an extra player freelancing during my studies. I think first concert, we had uh, Agnus Day, which was arranged for string orchestra by Boris Pergameshikov. And I was completely spellbounded by his music and Maestro conducting himself. The next concert, it was already a second day, it was on a kind of concert tour, was uh, Credo, uh, conducted by Maestro himself in a church in Tarhomin in Warsaw.
was spellbound at an encounter with a living composer conducting his own piece, which in his music was speaking directly to me what I thought. And of course, Kandreski was a well-known person as a composer and personality for me as being a student of Music Academy. But this encounter, I can say, changed my life. And as an artist and being Polish, I was especially proud and touched by this great master. Throughout the years, Penderecki had a long association with the Sinfonietta Cracovia under your direction, and the orchestra collaborated on one of the last projects he worked on before his passing in early 2020, the Sony Classical Recording, which contains three of his four Sinfoniettas. This recording was made at the Christoph Penderecki European Center for Music, Yes, it's a very special place on the cultural map of Poland, the Słowice European Stefanderecki Center of Music, where people from all the world meet and the students with professors and professional orchestras to pay a tribute to Maestro's music and his legacy. And we have done it very often with Sinfonietta Krakowia, the orchestra so close to Maestro's heart. The orchestra was founded almost 30 years ago and actually was our godmother of the orchestra was Madame Elżbieta Penderecki and with her support the orchestra was established as the city orchestra, the official orchestra of the city of Krakow and then was very close, tied with Krzysztof Penderecki performing his music and performing with him as a conductor. I was quite honored and lucky to work with the orchestra for eight years and to work with Krzysztof Penderecki on his music while he was sitting in the audience, while he was this our rehearsals, giving us advices how to perform his music. We discussed the performances afterwards. I was sometimes sitting in the audience listening to my orchestra playing his music and he was giving me the comments to this performance right on the spot. Especially dear repertoire to our hearts were three sinfoniettas. Two of them were played before quite often. The orchestra, when I came to the ensemble, I took on the workshop, let's say, the third Sinfonietta leaves from an unwritten diary. a very sentimental journey to Maestro's childhood. Musical recollections of his past with the famous Oriental melody, maybe Armenian, maybe Hutzels, maybe Jewish, which he put at the end of the Sinfonietta. And this tune was actually played by his father, who was playing violin just to relax for himself after work. And he usually started warming up with this tune. So after this beautiful and very profound music being a little bit avant-garde and a little bit neoromantic, at the end of the piece, is coming this oriental tune and the piece ends with sound of beating hearts which interrupts suddenly it's very meaningful it was the first piece I ever conducted of Penderecki with the orchestra I first founded during my studies in Warsaw then I did it with Bayerische Kammerorchester and then very 
often with Sinfonia Krakowia and Sinfonia Varsovia. And the Agnus Dei was a piece which was written for the funeral of Cardinal Wyszyński. And it was a very special moment in Polish history, especially now playing this piece as a tribute to, an homage to Maestro. It has a very special meaning and we tried to put it on this recording for Sony Classical with the title Penderecki's Sinfonitas. It's supposed to be double meaning. You know, the orchestra's name came after Maestro's beautiful works for string orchestra. Number one, Sinfonita per Archi. And on the recording you can find Sinfonita per Archi, you can find a Sinfonita number two with an amazing clarinet player, the leader of clarinet section of Vienna Philharmonic, Daniel Otensama. We started the CD also with actually a musical joke of Krzysztof Penderecki, the three pieces in an old style. to shut the mouth of some critics who will say when he was writing avant-garde music that he cannot write proper tune, you know, some uneducated critics of music. So he wrote beautiful aria, one could say, in Handel style, and also two menuets, which were used in very important film in Polish cinematography, Wojciech Has, the manuscript found in Saragossa. So this, this is very special and it shows our connection as an orchestra and myself as a conductor to Maestro. Of course, we record before also Concertino per Tromba, the orchestra with Gabor Boldotsky. The recordings go to the International Classical Music Award. Concertino per Tromba, the orchestra. Was premiered by Sinfonietta. 
we had a Polish premiere in a series of world premiere recordings. So Sinfonetta was one of commissioning partner and we played it in the festival, which I'm honored to run in city of Zabrze in a post-industrial base in an old coal mine, Krzysztof Penderecki International Festival. Beginning in the mid-1970s, Penderecki renounced his radicalism to some extent, and although his language remained quite contemporary, it also became more traditional. This is certainly the case with the concertino. The piece was written in 2015, and up until that time, Trumpet had not played a significant role in Penderecki's body of work. He wrote substantial bass trumpet solos in his 7th and 8th symphonies to represent the voice of God, but it took him 20 concertos before he finally created one for the trumpet. It plays a completely different role, as you mentioned, the voice of God in bass trumpet in the symphonies in the Seven Gates of Jerusalem. And it's more like entertaining, as you said, but still the concerto is very compact. And of course, it's not as avant-garde as 1970s Maestro's music. I think my concept of his development is that he was actually always avant-garde. He was an avant-garde arebur, you can say. So, you know, when everybody's stuck in writing avant-garde music in orthodox sense, he was going farther, uh, but not leaving the avant-garde. So he was using the, all the effects and what he achieved uh, on this path to make a complex and beautiful music. The concertino is not long, but it's very compact and it has a very nice statement. And why it took so long to write a trumpet concerto? I think just because Maestro Penderecki met Gabor Boldotsky, the great trumpet player and beautiful guy who is very dedicated to his instrument. He was asking Maestro to write a concerto for his instrument. really hard because I remember all these instrumentalists coming to my and say, could you write a piece for my instrument? And I was one of them, as for concerto for double bass, for example, Xavier de Mestre for harp. I think it was very important to the artist for whom Maestro wrote his concerti, like uh, writing for Anne-Sophie Mutter or for Arto Noras. Uh, so the concerti were dedicated actually to the artist and to the interpreter and in a second part, in my opinion, to the instrument they were playing. So for him it was important the dedication to music and to their instrument. 
And I think this combination with Gabor Rodotsky and Topendretsky's music was just perfect. Sometimes we combined it at the concert, concerts with Haydn concerto, and not everybody knows about this fact. The maestro wrote two cadenzas to Haydn concerto, trumpet concerto. They are not very often played, but we did it a few times with Gabor Rodotsky. Very entertaining. The Hungarian trumpet virtuoso brought Penderecki five different types of trumpets to demonstrate the variety of the instrument's different color possibilities. Penderecki chose two for the concertino, the standard trumpet in C major and the deeper, smoother-sounding flugelhorn. Exactly, and the flugelhorn has a beautiful, warm, and dark sound. Maestro Penderecki also loved the viola in all his pieces. Viola, even as a section or as a solo instrument, we know the concerto for viola, this kind of dark, smooth sound. And I think there's a lot of similarities between beautiful viola sound and a flugelhorn, which Boldowski masters, I think, even better than the trumpet. It's the perfect combination. And he cast the trumpeter as sort of an actor who was featured prominently alongside a group of percussion instruments. At the very beginning, Maestro Penderecki used one of his favorite art of interpretation, that he puts the trumpet actually off stage. And after the first entrance, trumpet is coming closer, playing second part, and actually third entrance, he's standing in front of the conductors. The solo concerto starts without the soloist, which is, of course, very theatralic, and for the idea of a sound coming from Dalontano, so coming from far away and coming closer to the audience, especially when the audience is waiting the strong, maybe even brutal sound of the opening quarter the trumpet beginning. clever, I must say, by Maestro Penderecki. And of course, it was not easy to produce this effect on the CD. So we were working in Luzwavice again. This recording was also recorded there to find the proper space to do this effect in an acoustic way, not to ask engineers to make this effect on the computer. To an audience member, it must have seemed like the trumpet soloist was almost involved in a piece of performance art or was sort of an actor. Exactly. In the scherzo, the bass larinet is almost taking over from the trumpet, which is also very interesting for the trumpet concerto. <laughs> Okay, let's move to Penderecki's satirical opera Ubu Rex. Based on Alfred Jarry's 1896 play Ubu Roy, the piece uses models reminiscent of Offenbach, Rossini, Shostakovich, and Schnitke.
premiered by the Bavarian State Opera in 1991 for the opening of the Munich Opera Festival, I read that in true Penderecki fashion, he delivered the score very close to the time of the premiere. Yes, maybe a little bit exaggerating because it wouldn't be possible to play this piece without the proper preparation because the score, it's, it's very entertaining, but it's a very difficult part of the orchestral piece with a huge band up, which consists of almost 30 brass players. This that an orgiastic piece, and to put it all together is not that easy. <laughs> I was honored to do the premiere in the Silesian opera of Uburex, so I know what I'm talking about. In this case, really difficult opera to put together. However, it's very easy to listen to and to enjoy because it's a really comedy and very actual in the thematic to what Jari wrote and Penderecki put on his score. And of course, it was a little bit, maybe not a scandal in Munich because as Penderecki being himself, he wrote the opera, which is a little bit satirical to the history of music. And the beginning, you mentioned already, a lot of composers you can find there in some quotations. Yes, and of course, Maestro was very interested for a long time in writing this type of opera buffa in this sort of surrealistic play, sort of a parody of a Shakespeare tragedy, combining these subjects of bloody power struggles with absurdist elements. But of course, he recognized that satirizing power and the greed in society was not terribly welcome in a very restricted political environment. Yes, definitely true. And I think even, even nowadays, it is sometimes quite hard to put this opera on stage because you know, a lot of opera directors are afraid of this, especially now in times of undemocratic movements. It is very important piece, not only for music, but for literature and for theater. <laughs> In our premiere, they were laughing, they're having fun, and they haven't noticed that the two and a half hours just went by. Maestro wrote, to write a comic opera, one has to not only have experienced a lot, but also be able to look at these experiences with perspective. To laugh at oneself is something that cannot be done at the age of 30. 
<laughs> that is so true. And you know, in the stage performers in the Salesian opera, the director put the mirrors all over the stage. And actually the idea was that we could find ourselves in the mirrors. So even in the program booklet, you had to read the letters upside down. And on the page on the left side, you can find a small mirror to let you understand that actually you can find yourself and all the characteristics in what's going on stage and the roles. Well, in closing, more than anything, what did you learn from Penderecki and what is your recollection on the occasion of his passing in 2020? It's hard to say because it was like the world ended for us musicians, for people being close to him. We used to say we're like a Penderecki family. Of course, we're so close with Maestro's music. We're so close with Madame Penderecki. We're playing together, performing music. And for us, it was so obvious that he was among us. And actually, when he passed, we all realized, thank you so much, how important he was, not only as a, being one of the greatest composers of all times, definitely the greatest Polish composers ever and more complex, but just who he was for our mental life, for our being human. I felt like I lost a father. Maestro Jurek Didbal, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast to discuss the great Polish composer, Krzysztof Penderecki. Thank you so much. This is Max Horowitz, producer and host of Penderecki In Memoriam podcast, created by Anna Pezhanowska and presented by Polish Cultural Institute New York. Thank you to project partners Dukes, Naxos, Ludwig von Beethoven Association, and Schott EAM for sharing Krzysztof Penderecki's music with the world. We appreciate you joining us in honoring and celebrating Penderecki's life and legacy. Make sure to subscribe.